Heavenly Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, how we thank you, Father, for another day just to be alive and to know your amazing grace unto us, your people, to hear your word. And may your word, Father, so live tonight that it reaches out to bless every heart of every man, woman, and child whom you have called to this ministry of your grace. Father, for your love and your goodness to us for another day, we thank you in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You may be seated. Did you all have a wonderful uh, Valentine's Day, Friday, just like I did? It was terrific. You know, they sort of shanghaied me and took me to a Sadie Hawkins dance and got me married off. <laughs> I got a lot of Valentines, too, on Friday. Did you get a lot of Valentines? You know, I can remember the old days. I remember one particular day when I got one Valentine years ago, and it was addressed to occupant. Did you ever have days like that? Just amazing, the grace we stand in today. Brothers and sisters, we can give each other Valentines, and hugs and kisses. Open your Bibles tonight to Psalm, Psalms 19. That's a great song to open up the teaching tonight. Amazing grace. You know, thinking back on some of those old days, when I was a little whippersnapper, I would often go out in my backyard and I would take my trusty telescope. You know, I'd save my nickels and my dimes and I bought a telescope and I would sit out there on balmy spring or summer evenings and I would look at the heavens and I would wonder. I think that's when I began really to wonder what this was all about. The heavens, the stars, the moon. Those were the days of Sputnik, too. Remember Sputnik? Are you all young enough to remember Sputnik? And I'd see Sputnik up there, and I'd track it in my re reflector telescope all the way across the heavens. And then I'd find Jupiter, and I'd see four or five of the moons. And I'd see Saturn with the rings around Saturn. And I just, be and I just began to wonder more and more, why? Psalm 19 is a very exciting psalm. It begins with the Creator, and it ends with man's redemption. Let's read the first few verses of Psalm 19. The heavens, meaning the expanse, declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge or information or prophecy. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them, in the heavens, meaning the expanse. Now, God is not talking about the stars here. He's not talking about the moon and the sun and the planets and the asteroids and all those other things we learn about in Star Trek. He's talking about the expanse, the heavens. Continuing in verse four, in them, in the heavens, hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. 
the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Did you know that the whole redemption of man is written in the stars? The whole story of mankind and his redemption and the story of Jesus Christ and what he would accomplish for us is written in those stars. No wonder you and I were, were sort of led to those stars to, to look at them and to wonder and to begin to feel in the depths of our souls, what is this all about? What are the stars about? What are the heavens about? Did you know that before God ever made the stars, the moon, and the sun, that he made the earth? Look at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens, meaning the expanse, not talking about the stars, the moon, the sun, and the earth. Verse 14, jump over to there. After all these days have passed by and God said, the word of God said, let there be lights in the firmament or the expanse, the heavens, of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Verse 15, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. Verse 16, and God made two great lights, the greater light to divide the day or to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also after he had made the earth. Did you ever see that before in the word? The earth is the reason for this universe that we see out there. God made the stars, the moon, the sun, the heavens or the, the, uh, the universe for the earth. Isn't that amazing? Now, if the earth is the reason for the universe, what's the reason for the earth? Look at verse 26. Verse 26, and God said, after he had made the earth, after he had made the stars, the suns, and so on, and the plants, and the soul life, and those creeping things that went creeping around, and the whales, and the fishes, and so on, he said in verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. God created man in his image. We know from John 4.24 that God is what? Spirit. When God created man, he made man whole, not like natural man today, but he made man with body, with soul, and with what he is, spirit. Man had spirit in the beginning. So if the earth is the reason for the universe, and man is the reason for the earth, what is the reason for man? These are questions, you know, that astronomers have asked one another for years and years and years. One of the current theories, and I think the most popular theory in astronomy today, is the theory of the oscillating universe. You ever heard of that? The oscillating universe. The, the top scientists say, and these are PhD intellectuals, they say that the universe was created by a big bang. Suddenly in the beginning there was a bang and everything began flowing out from one another. If they'd only read the word of God, that would uh, blow their theory of the oscillating universe sky high. But, you know, scientists and astronomers and physicists and so on, 
They take their telescopes like we did when we were kids and they look at the heavens and they try to decide what's going on out there and what it's all about by looking through their telescopes. But, you know, the heavens and the earth and man were made in the beginning by the word of God. God is spirit. You cannot ascertain or you cannot synthesize or analyze spirit by means of a telescope or a Bunsen burner or a microscope. So if the earth is the reason for the universe and man is the reason for the earth, what is the reason for man? It's very simple. God's love. Look at Ephesians 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I have to talk about Ephesians tonight. Ephesians chapter 3 comes right after chapter 2. Yes, here it is. This word is put together very systematically. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this cause, meaning the cause of the great mystery that the Apostle Paul is talking about, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You know, God uses figures of speech in his word so that we can understand him, right? We're man. <laughs> we can only understand God in terms of our experiences. So he's, he gives himself traits like a man so god calls himself a what a father god is a father and the whole family in heaven meaning the angels and the earth is named after the great father god the heart of god is the heart of a father man was created in order to have fellowship with a father that is the whole reason for man, to have fellowship with a father who is love. Elena Whiteside wrote a beautiful little poem in the last issue of the magazine about love. And she said, in order for love to be, it has to be shared. God wanted his love to, share, to be shared. He wanted to have sons who would love him, who would know the heights, the depth, the length, and the breadth of the Father God who was love. That's the whole reason for man. And when man was created, made, formed, and created in the beginning, he was given that spirit so he could have fellowship with the Father. And he had that great fellowship until he blew it, right? You all know that story. <laughs> and he lost that spirit. He lost the ability to have fellowship with the Father. Look at John 4. Gospel of John chapter 4 and verse 23. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well here, and, she's, and he says, The hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Man has been trying to worship God in his own way, with his idols, with his telescopes, with his systematic theology, trying to get back to God, not knowing that the only way you can truly worship God is in spirit. You've got to be born again, right? It's the only way you can really worship God. And God made man to worship him. God is love. He wants to be worshipped. He wants to be loved. He wants to be adored. He wanted to have sons who would be able to walk with him and talk with him in the garden. <laughs> to walk in the light of his word. To know the depths of his love. 
Look how God's image has been tainted through the years. We People think that he's a wrathful God. People think that he's an angry God. The word says that God is love. And he wanted man to know that love. And so he gave him of his own spirit that he could walk in holy communion with him. Verse 24, God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Look at 1 John chapter 1. You may surmise by now that we're talking about fellowship with God. The whole reason for the creation is that God could place his man on this earth that he could have fellowship with him and walk in love. 1 John chapter 1 verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be what? Full. It is God's will that our joy be full. It is God's will that we walk in fellowship with him day by day, that we believe his word, that we obey his word that we may know the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of his love. Back in Psalms 19, you don't have to turn back there. Well, I think that's a good good thing. Let's, for, let's turn back there. Psalm 19 again. Maybe you kept your finger there. Back in Psalm 19, let's pick up again with verse 9 where we left off. The awe of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord, true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. See how this verse, declaring the glory of God, how it begins with the Creator and it ends with man's redemption. You know, Dr. Werewolf has written sort of a poem. It was in the last issue of The Way magazine, and I'd like to read that to you right now. He sums up in these few statements Everything that you and I have as sons of God because we have been redeemed, because Jesus Christ came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And this is what Dr. Werwell says in his article, Jesus Christ is not God. Speaking about Jesus Christ, he writes, it is he who sought me out from darkness. And I think we can all say the same thing as I read this. It is he who gave me access to God even now he is my mediator. It is he who saved me when I was dead in trespasses and sin. It is he who gave me the new birth of God's eternal life, which is Christ in me, the hope of glory. It is he who gave me remission of sins and continues to give forgiveness of sins. It is he who filled me to capacity by God's presence in Christ and all the fullness of God's gift of Holy Spirit. It is he who has made, was made unto me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. It is he who called me and set me in the heavenly. It is he who gave me his joy, peace, and love. It is he who appointed me 
as a spokesman for God's accurate word, may I be found faithful in that calling. It is he who is all in all to me that I might give my all for him. It is he who is God's only begotten son. Can you say amen to that? You know, it's absolutely fantastic what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. What he set up for us in the beginning. And despite the fact that man blew it, we all have it back and greater. We have that sanctification. We have that wisdom. We have that redemption. Didn't you always want to be a king's son? Didn't you always want, you girls, didn't you always want to be a princess? Wasn't that a longing in your heart? I always wanted to be a prince. Yeah. God has done that for us. He has made us joint heirs in Christ. He has made us heirs of the kingdom of God. You know, either all of this is true or none of it is true. Either it's all true, what we've been reading in the word tonight, or none of it is true. And if it is not true, then we're playing games with each other, aren't we? And we might as well go back to our telescopes and start looking at the stars again. Either all of it is true or none of it is true. And there comes a time when a man in this ministry has got to decide in his heart to say yes to the word of God. We said yes in the beginning when we first heard the word, didn't we? When we took that class on power for abundant living. Think of the excitement we had in our hearts when Dr. Earl was on that screen and he looked you right in the eye and he said, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Didn't you stand up on the inside when he said that? Boy, I did. I'll tell you, I dropped my good and plenty all over the floor. That's some kind of movie. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, we've got to start believing that. We've got to start believing the accuracy of the word and acting on that word and walking out on it. Because God has called us in the least common denominator to have fellowship with him that our joy may be full. Look at Psalm 40, Psalms 40. Psalms 40, verse 16. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. After you've taken the class on power for abundant living, it becomes a walk. You know that you are a son of God. And it becomes a walk. When you are born again, you have sonship that you can never lose. And you have, at that point, perfect fellowship with the Father. And now it is up to you and to me to walk in the light of that fellowship, just as Jesus Christ did. Look at the things he did. Look at the goals he had. Look at the things he accomplished for man. How he was a blessing to people. We've got to be that same kind of blessing. And the secret to being that kind of a blessing and to bringing to pass the great goals that you have for your life is sustained fellowship with the Father. We are seeking in this ministry that Christ, God in Christ in us be magnified more and more and our old selves less and less. That's what it is to see through the eyes of Jesus Christ. That's what it is to walk in his steps. That God in Christ be magnified in us more and more and our old selves less and less. That's what takes us to higher ground. Have you ever seen a picture of those Great big fat balloons that have gondolas in the bottom of them. And they have ropes that hold those gondolas on. And men get in them sometimes and they take off into the wild blue yonder. I think somebody did that this past uh, summer. Got in the gondola, took off over the wild blue yonder. His destination was Europe. 
nobody ever heard from him again. <laughs> well, this example of the balloon with a gondola, you know how they take off? They throw off the sand or the bricks or the leaden weight or whatever so that they can lift off. And then that helium that they have in a balloon takes them off the ground. We are seeking in this ministry as we walk in fellowship with the Father to have, to, to lift off to the higher ground. But the senses would say that we concentrate on the ballast, that we take the ballast and we throw it off the, out of the gondola. God's word says that if we concentrate on the light of his word, then he lifts it into higher ground. And the ballast in our lives, the, the sins that do so easily beset us, the heavy weights that Hebrews 12.1 talks about, those things begin to disappear in our old man becomes less and less as the God in Christ in us is magnified. If there is one thing that defeats us from lifting off to higher ground that keeps us out of fellowship with the Father, it is sin consciousness. We've got to get rid of that in this ministry. And in our walk as becoming more and more mature Christians, we've got to get rid of that sin consciousness. We've got to claim all the promises and the greatness of the Word of God that He has shown to us, that we have so attentive, tentatively listened to and heard. We've got to get rid of that sin consciousness. And there was one way to do it, by concentrating on the light, who is Jesus Christ. And you know what happens when you have that sin consciousness? You're defeated. Look at Romans chapter 14. God would not have us defeated. He doesn't want beaten sons. He wants sons who are standing up on the inside in every capacity. Romans chapter 14. And in verse 22, Hast thou believing? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is, and the text reads, frustrated, not damned, we're not damned, <laughs> we're born again. He that doubteth is frustrated in the thing that he does, because he eateth not of what? Of believing, is the text. For whatsoever is not of believing is sin or broken fellowship. When we're not believing the word of God, we're out of fellowship. God does not want us out of fellowship. He knows we're not going to get anywhere. He knows we're going to be frustrated in the things that we try to do for him. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses as were itemized in chapter 11. With so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of God. Mary Lochran in the magazine department mentioned to me just a few days ago that she had asked some people in the ministry what goals they had. What were their goals? Where were they going? What, what were they trying to do with their lives now that they knew that they were son of God, that they were more than conquerors in every situation? And Mary told me that most people just didn't have any. They were waiting, I suppose, for God to push them off the deep end. God doesn't do that. God relies on you 
and on me to obey his word, and then we see. First we believe and act, and then we see, and he guides us. But he wants us to have, do you have a goal for your life? Do you have a great goal that just thrills your heart and your soul? You know, you ought to think about it. Jesus Christ had goals. There was something that he did that absolutely thrilled his soul every time he did it, and that was to teach the word. Because Jesus Christ was called to fully declare God. Whenever he was on those hillsides of Judea or walking along the shores of Galilee and people were following him to be blessed by the word that he spoke, you know that he was just thrilled in his heart every time he could share that word. His goal was to teach the word and to redeem mankind. And he understood the fullness of his goal only as he obeyed the word and literally walked out on it. Look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John 3 In verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Then have we trust toward God. You know, there's another place, I think, in in Ephesians where it says, The light makes manifest that which is not in fellowship. The substance of that verse. Do you remember that verse? You can know when you are in fellowship and when you're not in fellowship. What does your heart say? Do you have confidence toward God? Are you really believing his word? You will know as you continue to walk in the light of that word becoming more and more rooted and grounded in it, whether or not you're in fellowship. And only when you're in fellowship can you have confidence toward God. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit or in the light of the word, and you shall not be subject to the over-desires of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Have you been wondering why you haven't gotten everything done at this point in your walk, maybe? It's simply broken fellowship. But God has called us to do great exploits for him, it says somewhere in the word, and we hear it in prophecy lots of times. He has called us to walk in the light of that word. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are his handiwork. He's called us to great exploits. But if we don't believe the word, then we're never going to get anywhere on it. We've got to get going on our life's goal. That's really what I want to say to you tonight. That sustained fellowship with the Father is the secret to getting done in your life what God has called you to do. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians 13, all the way to the end, verse 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This word communion is the Greek word koinonia, means fellowship. The fellowship of the Holy Communion be with Have any of you experienced those very tender moments when God whispers sweet somethings in your ear? You know what I'm talking about? When he whispers those sweet somethings in your ear. Boy, oh boy, you just know that the word is true, don't you, when that happens? 
You just know that you're really a son of God. You know you've got that communion with him. You know you've tapped in like the hotline to the father. When he whispers those sweet somethings in your ear, as you continue to read the word faithfully day by day to speak in tongues, no astronomer will ever understand that. No physicist will ever understand that. Spiritually, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. But man, when we speak in tongues, we're no a son of God. We know that we're a son of God. But even further down the, down the road in our walk, when he whispers those sweet somethings in your ear because you're in fellowship, when he guides you, when he lifts you, what a fellowship, what a joy divine. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19, verse 12. This is a story about Elijah, a great man of God who was walking in fellowship continually with the Father. But even he got weak and faint of mind every once in a while, like we all do. God knows that. He lifts us up as we look to his word. But even Elijah got a little bit weak and a little bit faint in his mind. And in verse 12, let's start with verse 11. And he, God, said to Elijah, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by that mountain that Elijah was standing by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. What a beautiful record how God teaches his people. The great somethings, the sweet somethings that he whispers in your ear, even in the midst of the earthquakes and the fires around us and the towering infernos and the crashing 747s and capsizing ocean liners and the economy and everything else is going on in this crazy mixed up world. As we walk in that sustained fellowship with him, he whispers those sweet somethings in our ear and we hear that still small voice. And we know that everything that he has said in his word is true. As sons of God, we have been called out of the darkness of this world. We've been handpicked by God before the foundation of the world to have holy communion, to have that beautiful, tender fellowship with him. We have joy, we have love, we have peace, and we have freedom as men and women to the measure and to the extent that we do one thing, and that's obey his word. We have got to get on with the business of obeying the word. To be everything that our Father has said we are through Jesus Christ is to obey the word. You and I must determine once again in our hearts to stand up in the light of the word, to be willing to leave everything in the past behind us, and without looking back, to say yes to the word of God. Once upon a, dot, a time, we dared to say yes to that word when we heard that it was Christ in us, the hope of glory. And for the first time when we heard that and believed it and understood it, our lives acquired profound meaning and direction. And through the days and the months that have passed by since then, maybe a few of you, only a few days or a few months, 
others of us a few years, we have learned to say yes to more and more of that word of God and to walk in that tender fellowship with him and to see results because of it. When we do not obey this word of God, this call of love, when we do not make that spiritual leap of believing that the whole senses world says is crazy, then we are saying simply that we do not believe the word. When we know and understand this, how can our lives be anything but a yes? Amen? Heavenly Father, for the great light of your word that you've given us to, to live, to walk in, to enjoy, Father, for this sweet tenderness of fellowship, how you lift us up when we faint in our minds, how you guide us, how you love us, how you bless us, how you strengthen us. We thank you tonight and thank you for the wonderful day and week ahead of us. Thank you, Father, for teaching us, for guiding us, for loving us, and for calling us before the foundations of the world to be your sons and to shine as lights in the world that others may know that God is love. For this great word, Father, and this great calling, and this great life, we thank you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you.